Greetings, this is J.R. Dickey. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And by the way, don't forget our website, graceandtruth.net. I hope you're having a great day, but if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. Okay, today we're going to talk about spiritual strength and weakness. Let's get started. It was the most pitiful, tragic face I'd ever seen. No, I wasn't looking in the mirror. Somehow, a news photographer had captured the portrait of a terrorized man in India. The caption read that he was a Muslim surrounded by an angry mob of Hindus who clearly were about to kill him. His expression said it all. He begged for mercy and there was none. Now he faced death with what appeared to be an awareness of eternal, unchangeable disaster. Today, we see that religiously motivated terrorists can be and are successfully brainwashed to the point of committing suicide in the name of their God. Among other things, they are convinced of receiving uh, in the afterlife blissful satiation of their fleshly lusts, especially if they destroy in the process a lot of their God's enemies, and thus they voice with measured bravado, We're not afraid to die. However, if they knew the truth, they would all appear as the man in the photo, and the sickening certainty is that they will, afterwards when it's too late. But instead of an angry mob of men, they'll face a much worse company. Now, in considering strength and weakness I was amazed at how these concepts weave almost without notice throughout the entirety of Scripture. You know, there are about 50 different words in the original Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic that we simply translate as strong, strength, power, or might. You'll find like uh, vigor, permanence, speed, quiet, a twist, a vision, an open hand, a belt, a bone, a separation— a cliff for a rock, and many other expressions for strength in the scriptures. But something seemed to stand out as an important strength, if you would, the strength associated with courage and faith. It is especially significant as it applies to facing the fear of death or disaster. Here are some examples for us. First, Abraham feared for his life in Egypt, but later became the father of faith. Next, Moses first ran for his life from Pharaoh's wrath, but later faced it fearlessly. Next, Joshua had to be told multiple times by the Lord not to fear, and he proved faithful. And finally, Gideon was found by God's messenger hiding as he threshed wheat, and likewise was admonished by the Lord several times not to fear. And you know the story of his ultimate courage against incredible odds. Well, on and on it goes into the New Testament, where we find Stephen at the point of death praying for his executioners. Peter sleeping so soundly before his apparent death sentence that the rescuing angel had to strike him to wake him up. And then there's Paul, getting up after being stoned and left for dead, walking back into Lystra to preach again. What courage, what overcoming faith. Where can I get me some of that? Strength is not 
a scriptural option. The word never suggests, proposes, or asks us to be strong. In fact, the Lord commands it over and over. Yet, if that stirs up an image of some basic training drill instructor chewing out his bumbling green enlistee, hold on. You see, according to Scripture, the actual wellsprings of strength are not the Christian superheroes or spiritual drill sergeants, so to speak, not the naturally bold and confident, not the ones to whom we are most inclined to look to as examples to emulate. Rather, it is from first babes and sucklings. That's in Psalms 8, 2. It's from those who have no might. That's Isaiah 40, verse 29. And from the weak. That's Romans 5, 6. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. For counter to our natural expectation, it is weakness which is an essential preliminary ingredient for spiritual strength. That's Hebrews 11, 34. Once again, God shows us that in this world, we are upside down. Because uh, who among us wants weakness? Who desires uh, the sincere personal awareness of it? Hmm. Who finds failure a friend or crushing a kindness? Our nature is to flee from the cross when it's ours to carry to rationalize our rejection of it, to convince ourselves that morality is an adequate substitute. Honestly, we generally want nothing to do with real weakness unless we can just toy with it to obtain attention. One reason for this is that our sin nature misleads us with a false understanding about strength and a false compass concerning its source. Nevertheless, Christ said that his followers would follow him. That's Mark 8.34. And that inevitably means first, like Jesus, you are to be like a lamb. The epitome of weakness. That is, at some point in your life, as a believer, or at many points, the Lord will allow you to realize some portion of your own human weakness in order to find his real divine strength. Now, you may think, yes, uh, but you know, I'm saved by grace and that's all I need. Jesus just wants to give me an abundant life, health, wealth, lots of celebration here and now. After all, don't the saved go from strength to strength? It's just those less spiritual or unspiritual folks who have marital, financial, emotional, or physical problems. Wow. Hmm. Well, friend, your salvation is indeed secured by faith in God's gracious gift. Jesus' atoning death and resurrection. But let me suggest that you will enjoy your gift and your heavenly eternal home to the degree that you enjoy Christ, all of him, lamb and lion, weakness and strength. Enjoy weakness, you may think. Uh, No, 
Rather, enjoy what you discover of Christ in weakness. In Daniel chapter 3, you may know the story. It's uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I call them Shad, Shack, and Benny. They were thrown into a raging furnace for their refusal to worship the pagan king's idol. They were first bound before being cast in, and yet they were freed by the flames. The ropes were the only things to burn. And in the furnace there with him, read it, was the fourth man, the Son of Man, Jesus, in his pre-incarnate appearance. Now, the point to note is that these guys did not rush to leave the fire. In fact, the king, when he saw that, had to command them to exit. You see, when you realize the presence of Jesus Christ in the flames, in the furnace of hardship, trial, brokenness, weakness, you're not just in any hurry at all to leave. Uh, This is not to say that you should look for hardship or the breaking of your heart, mind, or body. Not at all. But if you would sincerely identify with Jesus, you will understand that when these things come, and they do come to everyone, that in them you will discover a spiritual strength the world does not know or value or comprehend. Yes, It is the Lord himself. You see, it is God's plan both to save you from sin and death and to conform you to the image of his dear son. Did you suppose that to be a painless intellectual process? Did you want to roar with the lion, if I can say that, and not first bleat with the lamb? Armchair Christianity is of no more value than armchair quarterbacking. Everyone likes the idea of, uh, shall we say, roaring, but who truly wants to bleat? But the strength of overcoming faith is born out of the womb of personal weakness. Check out 2 Corinthians 4.7. It is reared by the recognition of Christ's footprints in the blood and tear-stained soil before us. It is courageous and confident without worldly cause. See Isaiah 30, verse 7 and 15. The strength that knows the truth and fears not brokenness or death or even life is not lunacy, but loving trust in a faithful Father. It is God's desire to make us lion-like in courage and faith. In fact, the very first attribute of those condemned to their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone is cowardice. See Revelations 21.8. Here's some good news, though. For those of us who believe, who truly trust in Christ, in the end, salvation and never-ending strength will come. For now, here's a few things to remember. First, His strength in you is made complete in your weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. If you're lacking spiritual strength, it could be that as yet you're not realizing your weakness. You may still be wrestling with God 
like the patriarch Jacob. Remember the story? It might take the Lord putting something out of joint to get the message through. You know, friend, you're weak. Admit it. And cry out to me. It's what Hosea says in Hosea 12, 3 and 4. If you've been dashed about by a loss, be encouraged. You will one day roar about life. The Bible says, For though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. And next, if you're ill, be confident. Your illness is not an end, only a means, and God will heal you, perhaps temporarily in this life, but for sure eternally in the real life of heaven. It's written, the body is sown in weakness, it is raised in power, 1 Corinthians 15, 42 and 43. And finally, if you're alone, be expectant. Your loneliness or forsakenness prepares your heart for an eternal spring of incredible relationships which will come. See Psalm 68.6. You have a choice. You can strut around in rebellious strength now and find weakness throughout eternity. It's like Satan. See Isaiah 14.12. Or you can walk like a lamb, with the Lord, and inherit real strength forever. See Revelations 12.10 again. I'll close with this. In the deep wells of weakness, you'll find the waters of God's strength. Now may the Lord grant you peace in the midst of any storm and faith to trust Him. Look for our next podcast, and may you realize more of His grace today.